Welcome to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know on what's happening in Orange, Lake, Osceola, and Seminole counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, or make wine. Visit www.cfhb.org. Now, here's your host, Mike Kara. Well, welcome back to our next edition of the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara. As today we are here at Dead Lizard uh, Brewing in beautiful Orlando, Florida for the Central Florida Home Brewers General Membership Meeting. With me today is Matt uh, Hunsworth, who is a secretary of the club as well as, um, you know, on the education uh, team and that. And Matt, uh, so recently we had uh, a great beer festival Pints and Paws, yes. and uh, basically it is in Sanford. Mm-hmm. It, it, I always joke that this beer festival has slightly more dogs because slightly more, yes, slightly, yeah, slightly more. So why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about you? You had beers and you brought your own dog. I did. Yeah, this is my favorite event. Uh, it, it's 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 now become twofold for me. It's my favorite event as an attendee and a favorite event as a participant. It's it's so much fun. There's so much good done for it. We raise money for a, a couple of um, um, shelters in the Sanford area. One uh, that pops out to me is Pets by Judy because I actually worked with Judy <laughs> years ago. Uh, so I always like to support her. It's just it's it's the most beer in any festival in Central Florida, and it is the most dogs at any festival in Central Florida. It is so much fun. I'm so happy to be a part of it year after year. And uh, you had, like we're saying, a few beers there, huh? I Matt? did. Yes, I had this year. I had an amber ale, which I always do an amber ale because I always like to night. I, I like to have a middle of the road beer that brings people to our tent, so I can tell them about the club. I can tell them about myself. I can tell them about the brewing process. Amber ale seems to fit that beer really well. Then I like to have something that gets people to come try my amber ale. And this year, I made a beer called Murder Hornet, which is, was a very hot pepper. Red ale of some sort. I don't even sure what base style you would call it, but that drew a lot of people to our tent as well and got a lot of people talking, which is good for the club, good for the event, and just fun all around. So, Matt, first of all, you know, you talk about this murder hornet, you know, and it had that pepper. I mean, for you personally, are you a, a heat guy? I mean, you are motivated? Like, I want to make a hot beer? Or? I do. I am, I am a, I don't even know you would call it. I am a, uh, kind of a reserved pepperhead i love really hot stuff i'll try like hot challenges but i won't be able to finish them because i can't do too much i'm at the age where my body says you cannot put this into my stomach without repercussions but i love to taste it it's like uh, there's um, a brewery we went to that had a hot um pizza challenge where they put a bunch of carolina reapers and scorpion peppers in the sauce and i was like they had to order the entire pizza. Well, I say entire pizza is a personal pizza, like a 10-inch. I ordered it. I had two bites out of one slice, and that's all I knew I could do without dying the next three days. But I love that a lot. We went to a brewery in, or a cidery in Asheville that had a scorpion pepper cider. I wanted to drink the entire five-ounce pour, but I could drink maybe a half-ounce because I didn't want the repercussions. But I love hot pepper things. 
At the moment, I don't like them three or four or five days after, so I have to do it in a very reserved manner. So, I mean, for you, Matt, are you going to be like Taco Bell where they got my, <laughs> mild, medium I know, fire? You know, I don't even know what the other ones are. I get the uh, I get the red one, the bright red one. Yeah, the fire. I don't know what the other ones even say. <laughs> oh, great. And uh, so we understand that you uh, ma- made some uh, treat, dog treats. Uh, or was, it, was that you? Oh, Sandy. Sandy Rossi made them. But okay. my wife my wife makes them as well. Okay, she makes them. Yes, yep, yep. And, and, and it, it, it's a... Uh, um, uh, the, the main ingredient, they're spent grain dog treats. And my wife usually asks for like uh, two or three pounds after a brew day. And she'll put them in the fridge for a little bit to let the water set inside the container. And then she'll scoop off the top of the dryer, dryer in quotes, uh, grains. And then she'll toast them in the oven. And she'll either make them um, the treats with the whole grain the way they are, like a whole grain cereal or granola bar for a dog, or she'll grind them up into flour to make something a little more intricate. If she's going to make like dog bone shapes or uh, like little cats, as masochistic as that sounds, <laughs> little shapes or whatnot for the dog, she'll grind them into flour so that she can mold them and press them into candy molds. So, yeah, yep, she, she makes dog treats three or four or five times a year. So these dog treats, uh, Matt, don't really have any sugar. I mean, humans no. might not really no. enjoy if them. You, a human can eat them. I mean, there's, right. not, there's nothing in there to hurt them, but they're very bland. Right. At the most, at the most, you might get a taste of peanut butter, depending on which one my wife makes. But otherwise, it's going to be, it's like eating a handful of grape nuts right out of the box. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I mean, for you, Matt, uh, you, you you try to you know when you're you're at a beer festival, look for things yep. for dogs, or I mean, you... oh yeah, it's it's as much as for me. It's like I want to, I want to make sure my dog's having a good time. Apart from her not wagging her tail, I don't know when she's not having a good time. So I just anytime someone has a dog treat or someone has their eyes light up because there's a dog in the vicinity, I'll stop and let her pet her. It's 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 so much fun. It's like it's. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 really so much fun to see the dogs interact, have fun, and it's equally as fun to see the people that are dog lovers be able to interact with so many different dogs. It's I can't say enough about the uh, the event ever. So, um, Matt, now that uh, you know Pints' pause is is over, are you looking to for, uh, to, for new beers to brew on the horizon? We yeah we. <laughs> We have already decided next year we're going to do the Amber Ale. We always do the Amber Ale. Uh, we're going to do – I have to do more order again. I, it might be like the Executioner Wasp. It might be a little hotter this year or next year. And my wife want, really, really wants to make our um, Moon Pie slash Malamore Porter. Again, to draw people to us and talk to us and learn about homebrewing and get to know people. That's That's – I, I love meeting dogs. I love meeting people as much as these beer fests. So that's what we're going to do next year. And, man, one thing that my dad and myself as brewers has found that, you know, during the brewing process, a lot of the sugar and a lot of the, a lot of the sweetness is taken out. But then when you put in more sugar, you increase the, the alcohol. So oh, yeah. That there happens. a way to ba- balance that to keep that sweetness? There's a couple. Yeah, I, it, to, to get into some technical stuff here there's a couple ways to do it one the 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 biggest thing that's on your side is time let let the yeast that's in there eat everything it can you might have to add keep adding sugars until you get no more fermentation that's that's the long way of doing it 
Another way to do it is to cold crash it. Put it in the refrigerator at 30-some degrees, put the yeast to sleep, and then add some stuff. But you can never take it out of the refrigerator. Well, you can take it out of the refrigerator, but you can never take it into a warm temperature again. The other one is there's you can put some potassium sorbate or potassium ooh, something. Wow. The name has escaped me. You can stabilize it with, with a couple of different um, additives. And then stop. You don't kill the yeast. A lot of people think those two things kill the yeast. They only put they keep the yeast from multiplying again. So you can do that and keep the fermentation from restarting. Honestly, if I'm going to do a festival like we're talking about, I'll put it in the fridge. Then I'll crack open the keg, put the additives, put what I want in to make it sweeter, and then we're going to serve it, and we'll be out of it the next day, so we don't have to worry about fermentation again. So you, you were talking about Malamar. So so Malamar bars, is that a chocolate bar, or what is, what is that? It's, um, do you know what a moon pie is? I do. It's a moon pie, but it's a northern version of a moon pie. Okay, yes. so that I, Yeah, it's I a know. regional thing. So yes, there yep. is cho- chocolate in it's, there. So. It's, it's a graham cracker wafer cookie thing with marshmallows surrounded by dark chocolate like a moon pie. Yep, yep. So, I mean, for you, Matt, do you find it? You know, hard for, I mean, does the sweetness of the chocolate go out because you're dealing with dark chocolate as it is then? Yeah, yeah. Um, we usually have to add uh, a tincture, which is uh, typically whatever flavor you're looking for soaked in vodka or some other kind of liquid. We use vodka because it's a very neutral alcohol. And uh, that's how we got, that's how we get um, like flavors like dark chocolate, marshmallow, and graham cracker in. We'll soak them in vodka tinctures for like a week two at most we don't want it to uh go rancid uh which is kind of hard with vodka but it can happen and then we'll add it at the uh literally the night before we serve wow so so that that's great uh, matt that you've got so many neat ideas and you know you're always coming up with unique ideas but i mean how does your mind think i mean to you to the point where Okay, Malamar, or okay, this this kind. Okay, that pickle beer that might not be a good idea. I mean, do you do you kind of foresee what'll work? <laughs> well, sometimes no, I don't foresee very well. Um, I just look for um, what I like. I, I, if I'm tasting something I like, I think well, I like it in a beer, yeah. like um, different types of fruit. It's like well, I like this in a IPA. Well, I like this in a lager. So it's it's um, it's an ongoing process. I can't give you a definitive, like a, a structured, this is what I do answer. It's just right. kind of keeping an open yeah. mind and whatnot. Oh. So that, that, that that's it. And you never know what uh, works. But I mean, yeah. for you, Matt, do you like to write everything down? Because yes. the thing <laughs> is, you create something and then... What did, what, I, what did I do? So, like, with every yep. step, you've got it. So yep, the next yep. batch should be like that. I write down – I'm glad you said that. I write down everything from idea right. to the final brew day. I mean, I write down – I have a list of things. I have a list – oh, man, I wish I, – I cannot – unfortunately, the app I have cannot pull up quickly in the environment we're in. But I have a list of, uh, of ideas of, of odd, different – unique flavors we're talking about that i have ongoing it's like i'll be in a restaurant and i'll have a uh i'll have like a i'll have a french fry with sriracha and it's like oh salt and sriracha tastes really good how would that taste in a 
lager. So it's like, I'll write that down. And then, so I have the idea, and then that will evolve to a recipe, which is written down. And then when the brew day comes, I have a whole other set of notes. So, yes, it's an ongoing recording process. Okay, Matt, we really appreciate your time and all your insight. Anything else you'd like to mention here? I just want to say potassium or uh, yeah, potassium metabisulfite. That was the chemical I couldn't think of five minutes ago. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> that helps stabilize yeast and keep it from fermenting. So if anyone was looking for the second chemical I couldn't think of, it's that. <laughs> so I mean, when you so. When you're like back sweetening, yep. that's something well, that you could do. Or? You put in you put in potassium metabisulfite. Sorry, and pa- potassium. Um, oh, jeez. Now I forgot the first one. Whatever I said earlier. <laughs> yeah. Well, you put you, you put you put that. those in in conjunction, and you kind of wait twenty four to forty eight hours. Then the yeast cannot reproduce. It it kind of like covers their cell walls in natural and chemical cement, so they can't reproduce. And then you back sweeten after you've done those two. Okay, thanks so much, Matt. My guest has been Matt Hunsworth, secretary and on the education team for the Central Florida Home Brewers, as we are here for their general membership meeting at Dead Lizard Brewing in Orlando, Florida. You are listening to the uh, to what to the Central Florida Buzz here uh, with Mike Kara, and please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Carey here at uh, Dead Lizard Brewing uh, in Orlando, Florida for the Central Florida Home Brewers General Membership Meeting. With me is longtime member John Sather. And John, it's a pleasure, honor you could join me today. Um, And today we want to talk about beer festivals. We know that... Sanford Pints and Paws Beer Festival happened a week ago, Saturday, and we want to talk a little bit about, you know, challenges and, you know, how, how it works for homebrew clubs. And so you have been pouring at beer festivals, you know, with the Central Florida Homebrewers, Brewers Anonymous for a while then, huh? Yes. I just would like to say thank you, Mike. You're a, you're a wonderful interviewer. And uh, I just enjoy always getting interviewed by you. And, yes, I've been pouring at, uh, oh, DeLand and, and uh, Pints and Paws and, and Windermere and some of the other ones, you know, uh, over the years for probably a good 15 years. I think my first one was the Scottish Games out in uh, Winter Springs with, uh, I was pouring Dunedin beer in probably 2000 and three or something like that and that was really good beer and those uh those scottish people they drink a lot of beer so we were pouring like crazy there back in the day but yeah i'd like to um i'd like to throw my little bit of a of experience in when it comes to uh clubs and and pouring at a fest because a lot of it goes into it first off you have to be invited into the fest by the organizer and uh, then you, you know, kind of wait for them to give you the the uh, plans on where your tent goes. You know, usually have to you have to put your own tent up. Sometimes you bring your own chair, your own table. You know, um, and then you have to have your own uh, setup, which uh, whatever you're pouring might be, you know, on a display on a on a chalkboard or on a little. Uh, things that you put on the counter that you know something like that to where the the public or the people coming to that beer fest can you know read or or see what you're offering as a home brew club so that i'm getting a little ahead of myself because you know when that happens you have to 
uh, asked for volunteers from the club. Who's gonna pour? Who's gonna brew for the for the fest? Who's gonna pour for the fest? And once you get the people lined up for that, then you got to get them all to bring their stuff out to the fest. And once you're there, hopefully you're uh, at the right spot because this last time around we were at number four and they come to us after we set up and everything and said, oh, well, you're at number six. So we had to move the tent and the table and the the um, the, the beast, you know, the uh, all that, that that was there to the kegs and everything to, around from four to six, which wasn't far, but it was far enough that we right, were a little yeah. bit kind of inconvenienced to um, have to move. But um, it's um, it's a challenge to to do all that, and then you know what you know you got to have you got to have oh tabletops you know table covers uh, cups uh, you got to make sure that the guy comes around and gives you enough badges for whoever's there to 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 you know keep you in the fest because usually when a when a home brewer goes to the fest they they go for a number of reasons they want to pour their beer or their or their mead in my case because at the pints and paws i was pouring this huge you know cherry mead like 15.7 percent alcohol it was huge i poured about two and a half gallons out of five so i was pretty happy with that you know (laughs) And I was hoping that everybody at the at the fest enjoyed it. I know the people that knew me all came to me and really complimented me. They said, "Wow, it's very well balanced for such a, a huge alcohol mead." And uh, but uh, you know when you when you do set up like that, you have to find parking after you, you put your equipment down. Um, you know you have to kind of yield to others who want to pour their beers who might be on the same uh, jockey box as yours you know it's kind of a, a little you know little dance behind the jockey box or the table there to try to pour the beers that the people are coming up and asking for and it's 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 flattering to hear them liking your beer or your mead in my case you know, this is outstanding. This is great. You know, how come you don't sell this? Where can I buy this? Oh, you know, yeah. all those kind of things that that the general public tells you about. And then you tell them, well, you know, here, if you take this card, come to our meeting. I'll be pouring it at my meeting wherever we meet. You know, here we meet at Dead Lizard, you know. Uh, but th- those are the kind of things, you know, we beer fest for home brew clubs are really to try to recruit more members people who are interested in the in the beer or the mead the hobby and how to make it how to make it so that it's uh not you know bad or or unflavorful or or has certain flaws in it you know like buttery or vegetable or or um you know medicine band-aidy whatever you want to call it you know what i mean so it's a challenge beer especially to brew to where it's not got some flaw on it and it doesn't quite taste right you know uh, that's why i have my hats off to a lot of the professional brewers because they constantly brew good beer at a large scale which is sometimes hard to do especially the lighter beers you know the 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 light beer, the pilsners, or the stuff that's not covered up with a bunch of roast flavors or hop flavors like, you know, uh, I don't know, stouts and, and IPAs and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that That's a great lot of good information, uh, John. But, you know, one thing we saw with the Central Florida Home Brewers, that we had a lot of d- different beers. I mean, that's the whole whole idea when, when a club 
you know, does that is you, you just, like with some of the booths had two t- beers or three beers, you want to have as many beers you, as you can as a, as a homebrew club then. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, if you think about a lot of the professionals that were there, were they brought? They mainly brought cans. A lot of them. Yeah. They didn't bring kegs. Uh, it seems to be these festivals more and more are toward canned beer that they're opening and pouring instead of uh, a keg beer. And you find a lot of unusual. Uh, one of a kind type beers with home brew clubs. You know they're they're trying new things. They're doing things where the professional or the the you know the fest type uh, uh, professional pourers can't really do because they're locked into their corporate or their company's uh, recipes and they can't really deviate from those. Where a home brewer can do whatever they want. You know, that's what I love about home brew. I can name my beer or my meat or whatever I make anything I want to. I have that liberty to, you know, I like my Christmas meat was called Fluff Nugget off of a animal show that I was watching that day as I was making the meat. And the guy, the little bird came out of a, a egg, you know, it, it you know, hatched and he, oh, look at the little Fluff Nugget. I'm oh, that's a perfect name for my meat. Fluff Nugget Christmas meat, you know. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy naming them. I enjoy uh, uh, brewing them. And I, I, I brew and make my meats basically by myself I have very little help you know my wife's like you know I don't drink and I don't want to you know do this but I do ask her to smell it I do ask her to take a little taste to let me know if it's you know to her if it's if she shakes her head and says it's, Ooh, it's beer I'm like oh good it's beer <laughs> you know she's uh, not much to her all beer tastes the same and all meats taste the same which we know is not true there are so many different flavors and styles of meads and beers that that it's it's hard to say how many there are really but uh, like i'd say getting back to homebrewers like uh, our club had uh what um mango something beer and and uh all sorts of you know different you know these days it seems like this generation because i've been brewing about 20 years now and back in the day we couldn't get all these beers and you know, we couldn't get all these different size cups and, I mean, uh, bottles and cans of it. So, you know, we had to brew what we wanted to drink. If we wanted a Belgian, we had to brew it. If we wanted a, a German beer, we had to brew it, except for unless you wanted Heineken or something. I mean, otherwise, if you wanted some of these other German beers, you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, have a Berliner Weiss or, a, a, you know, a... a Bach or something like that that you know that you wanted to have a my Bach uh, that was one of my favorite Bachs and um, I I like the fact that you, we have these diversities that we can offer the public at a fest where some of these other professional or bigger you know breweries uh, are limited where we are not you know and that that is another point I wanted to make, John. You with a home brewer, you can make five gallons. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. With with a lot of professional brewers, they've got to make these giant, you know, batches. So you know they might not will be as adventurous, huh? No, exactly. They, and you know they are under the pressure to have their beer sell and not sit there in the tanker and the yeah. keg or whatever, where you know the home brewer basically doesn't sell it; they yeah. give it away to right. their friends or their neighbors and whoever you know uh, wants any of it. And uh, that's where I, 
you know, I, I, I love that idea. I, I want to be able to maybe someday sell something to where I can make some money off what I have learned over the last 20 years. But at the moment, I'm, I'm still kind of limited. My daughter wants me to move to Texas. She bought a land plot. She's going to make a, a food truck area. And uh, she wants me to be able to, to make mead and pour it there on her little plot she bought there in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. But at this point, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of going out there. You know, it's still just after COVID and things like that. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh, oh, that's great, uh, John. So, I mean, for you, do you have uh, any uh, means coming up or any plans to make more means? Or? Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I kind of retired about a year and a half ago, and I've been doing nothing but making oh, means. Great. I got Frank Ferber's, you know, fun where I went over to his house and brewed. I got uh, uh, just lost Benny, which was my friend, a lifelong friend. He died in a fire back in September. Uh, I have, um, you know, uh, these are the names I name them, you know. Uh, uh, I got uh, the boys are back because my grandchildren came over and, and uh, you know, I, I named it after my, my two boys, my two grandsons. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, happy to, to make mead and, uh, and beer. And I'm trying always to get better with beer. I bought the Brazilla like we talked about years ago or a little while back. And uh, it's helped me to mash better and helped me to come up with more consistent uh, uh, flavors and, and, and beer. Now i got to kind of tweak my recipes to get a little more complexity out of them, I guess. But I, you know, I did um, enter some of these competitions. You know, the thing about home brewing is we get to enter competitions. You know, Coconut Cup, Hurricane, Blow Off, uh, you know, uh, Hot and Humid, Sunshine Challenge, um, Cast, uh, Saws. You know, uh, best beer over in Tampa. All those are uh, really, really fun for me to enter. And I just talked to Ed Meesum, and I asked him, how many medals have you won? And he goes, I've won over 500. And I'm like, 500? Wow. You know, I think I got 78 (laughs) in 20 years, you know. Yeah, that's a lot, but ain't no 500, you know. (laughs) So, you know, Ed's awesome. He's uh I'll throw a little plug out to Ed. You know, he's running for for uh, um, House of Representatives up in Tallahassee here. Uh, you people around Red Bug and Seminole County, you might want to, uh, you know, vote for him if you see him on the ballot because, you know, he's he's going to bring you the things you like, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you know anything about beer, you're going to want to vote for Ed. So just had to throw that out there. Anyway, I know it's not about fast, but he was here and he was teaching a BJCP uh, uh, judges class just before our meeting just now and he got quite detailed and I liked a lot of what he had to say he was he was outstanding at it okay uh, John really appreciate your time any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here um, well it looks like we're losing all your uh, other help around here but um, yeah I, I just I want to thank you again for all your interviews with me and that, that you know I think you're a, a wonderful interviewer and that I think your podcasts are, are fun to listen to. I mean, I listen to myself, but others, too, because I get it on Facebook every once in a while. I'll see whatever you're doing. And, uh, you know, I just hope that when you set up for a fest as a homebrew club, that you're, you're bringing the people there as um, learners, you know, not 
not a you know know-it-alls quote unquote and and that they're you know one if they do happen to get out into the fest and they get to drink some of the other beers that are offered around there that they you know get to know some of the other people you know like rick big and tom mensch and uh mike wallace and you know all these all these other places that uh offer the same thing that a home brewer is offering except at a professional level level okay my guest thank you so much job i guess has been john sather um, a longtime member of the central florida home brewers as we are here for their general membership meeting at dead lizard brewing in orlando florida you're listening to the central florida buzz with mike cara please stay with us for a very last segment of this edition of our program today well, welcome back to our very last segment of this edition of the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Karras. We are here at Dead Lizard Brewing in Orlando, Florida, as we are having the Central Florida Homebrewers General Membership Meeting. With me today is C.J. Ahern and uh, C.J., former president and various other positions. And, C.J., it's great that you can join me again. It's been a while, but we understand that you've Brewed, brewed a beer, an IPA. We're both drinking it. It's great. I'm glad to hear you're going to be entering it in, in a competition. But why don't you tell us about it? All right. Well, it was my my first my first brew for a while. I kind of been a. I just switched to an electric system. It's called the Claw Hammer, and it's kind of a new one. It's electric, based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. So it basically has everything you need. It has to comes with the kettle, the heating element. And then everything plugs into control panels, so you can control temperature. You can pretty much control everything, from mashing to boiling to. And then it came with a plate chiller that hooks up to a hose and cools the beer down pretty quick. And uh, this was my first brew, so it was a, it was an IPA. It's my first experiment with the Voskavike yeast, which fermented my beer in like seven days. Very very fast, and and I think it came out it came out really good. Yeah, it did. And we mentioned uh, CJ that you're you're going to be entering this uh, in, in the competition. Yeah, the hot and humid run by Brewers Anonymous. The company just opened, and I I got one entry, and I'm going to send this beer in and and see and see how we did. See how uh, see how bad they 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 take care of business because. Sometimes you think you have a really good beer, and then the judges don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I, I like it. We all we all just think it's great, but I guess you know in the competitions it matters what the judges think. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, but I think I'm going to be good. I think I'm very happy with it. So I'm, I'm I'm the vice president of loggers this year with the club. So they they've been pushing on me to brew. So uh, this now I'm getting back into it, getting down to business. Oh, so I mean, have you brewed IPAs before? Yes, yes, it's my favorite style to brew. But also, it's the most popular style as far as entries in any competition. So it has to be pretty stellar to even have a chance. And I think I. I think we, I think we have a chance, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 yeah, you do. Uh, so, I mean, as far as uh, brewing any uh, new beers, you, you uh, planning on any new beers to brew, or after this one? Or? I was thinking, I, I've never brewed a lager. We were thinking about doing experiments, and I was going to think about a pilsner, a hefe, 
We're going to do a German theme uh, sunshine challenge this year, thanks to my great idea. So I think that we're going to, I need to brew an Oktoberfest or a fest beer. But you need to brew it now because it takes like many, many months to till, till it's finished. So well, what makes it so different that it needs all these these months? There's just something in there? Or? Um, it, it just needs time. So you... Fermented, you lager, lager. It's different. You have to put oh. it. You have to put it in a in a in a in a fridge oh, at a certain okay. temperature. Ales are more forgiving. You don't have to be in the fridge. Uh, okay, and yeah, we're talking about uh, festivals, uh, beers, and uh, yeah, pints and paws was recently. So I mean, did you have a have a beer, or do you usually have beers at pints and paws? I usually. I was supposed to send this beer. But I, I kind of got busy with work and was behind, and the carbonation wasn't quite there yet. And I didn't want to send a flat beer to a beer fest. That kind of would have been not good. But the Sunday night, the day, the Sunday night after the beer fest, it was ready to go. And it's still carbonated pretty good, but some of the homebrewers here at Central Florida Homebrewers think that it needs a little more carbonation. So, but I think it's okay because you don't want to send an overcarbonated beer to the oh, fest. Yeah. No, then you just lost. You just lose everything. So, and again, it's always it's I keep my beer on my kegerator on CO two twenty four seven at home, serving temperatures like ten psi. To carbonate it, I had it bumped up to like thirty psi, but that's not serving temperature. That's that's just gonna come out all foam. So that's why you gotta you gotta adjust. Oh, but yeah, it seems like, yeah, it's the right carbonation. So that's the thing with car uh, competitions. You know, you might have too too much uh, uh, carbonation, too little. They're, they're particular on that, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, very much. You just got to keep. So forced carbing, you got to be, you, a lot of people do it. I'm not a big fan of it because if you go too far, then your beer is, you got to figure out a way to get the CO2 out of your beer because it's too much in there. And and that's that's a challenge. It can be done. Basically, you got to buy this thing that you put on top of the keg, and it lets the CO2 out. Right. Just not all of it, but just a little bit. Just pulling the CO2 thing on your keg is not going to do the trick. Right. It's more, there's more to it. Uh, so, the, yeah, there's... All sorts of yeah things you, you gotta watch out out for. So uh, CJ, are you planning on entering in the uh, Sunshine Challenge? You of course, of course. I'm, it's still pretty far away, but I plan on entering quite a few this year. Oh, so I mean, is there a certain process or certain you know procedure when you when you decide what beers you're gonna enter? Like, oh, maybe I should do an IPA, or you just you you. Is it a situation where you make a beer and say, like this, this is a great beer, I'm going to enter it then? Yes, well, you put a recipe together, you plan it, and then if you're not, if you don't, if you haven't been homebrewing for a while and you need some help, Google or the internet is really good with giving you recipes, but I've learned that almost all recipes on the internet, I take them and then I change them up a little bit to my liking. Like this beer I found on Brewers, Brewers, uh, Friends com, It was a decent recipe, but I noticed that it didn't have enough aroma hops in the recipe. So that's when I added the experimental hop from my freezer that I won at the Sunshine Challenge last year. And, I've, and it had all the, 
all the flavors that were going to be okay with this beer. So, so, so we put it in there. And John Sather, my friend, he just interviewed. He said he tasted the experimental and he loved it. He liked it. And that's the that's that's the thing you got to worry about when you're putting experimental hops in your beer. It's either good or it's bad. But in this case, it was good. So yeah, that that's neat, uh, CJ. How you know you have a recipe that you could just add something in, in in there, huh? Oh yeah, yep. That's what home brewing's all about. So another thing you got to take into fact, you have a recipe. You want to make a pale ale, right. and you brew it, and it didn't turn out like a pale ale. It turned it out like a Scotch ale or a, something different. That's okay. Enter it in whatever style you think that it think what it is and that's why whenever i brew i like to bring my beer to these meetings because we have quite a few brewers here and they all know about beer and they can kind of give you some insight of of what direction you should go in and unfortunately i i did good everybody said this is still an ipa don't don't change a thing you're ready to go oh so i mean are you gonna make that that again yes yes i plan on making it again real soon i think it was a it was it was a good beer, easy drinking, not too hoppy, not too high. The ABV was only like six point two, so it's like an easy drinking IPA. And unfortunately, IPAs you don't find too many easy drinking. People like the hops and bitter, high alcohol, hazies, New Englands. You know, they like to like to get, like like to get it get you there quick. So yeah, so CJ, we we know that. Uh, you know, as a chef, you do a lot, lot of traveling in the past few years. But I mean, do you have a chance to taste the, these beers when you travel around? Oh yes, I do all the time. My one of my main states, I always there's two states that I always go to. I'm from Massachusetts, so I go there. There's quite a good few breweries in Boston. My favorite one is called Trillium Brewing, and then my local hometown brewery is called Mayflower Brewing Company out of Plymouth, Mass. And it's been there a long time. Small, little, small brewery, but they have really, really good stuff. And then when I when I go when I want to experiment out, I I end up in Colorado, up in the mountains in Denver. And there's so many breweries. If I were to list them right now, we would be here all night. <laughs> okay, uh, CJ, really appreciate your time. The beer's great. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here? Nope, I think we're all good. I'm just glad that everybody. Uh, listening to me tonight and hearing what i have to say and uh we'll look to look into being back on the show soon thank you mike okay my pleasure cj my guest has been cj a heard uh from the central florida home brewers as they're having their general membership meeting here at dead lizard uh brewing in orlando florida you've been listening to uh the central florida buzz with mike Kara, and please catch us again next time You've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know what's happening in Orange Lake, Osceola, and Seminole Counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, and make wine by visiting www.cfhb.org. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>